Welcome to the Cross Street Podcast. My name is Scott, and each week we're going to explore different topics and passages from the Bible, see what their meaning is, and then more importantly, see what relevance and applicability there are to our lives today. A lot of people think the Bible is outdated and has very little relevance in modern society, but in reality, there's a lot we can learn from it and even more to be encouraged by. And we challenge you to throw out any preconceived notions you may have about the Bible and read it again for the first time. You may be surprised at what hope it gives. Welcome back, everyone. And today we're going to look at the question of, aren't all religions pointing to the same God? You know, throughout my 15 years on Wall Street, I've had a lot of conversations with numerous people about uh, religion and God. And a lot of times... It comes up that aren't all religions basically the same, that they're all believing in the same God. The only difference being that they have different traditions and different types of services, but they all kind of have the same message. Try to be a good person and God will eventually bless you at the end. So it doesn't really matter which religion you choose. It just matters whether or not you're living a good life and doing the right things. And so we're going to explore that today. Uh, mainly from the uh, Christian standpoint, and see if, in fact, that is the case, or what the Bible has to say about that. So we're going to pick up the uh, reading in the book of Genesis, the first book in the Bible, um, and we're going to be looking at a man named Abram, and a dialogue he's having with God about promises God has made to him, and that he's having doubts about whether they're going to actually come to fruition or not. God has promised him that he's going to have numerous offspring, even though his wife is barren and that he's getting into a very old age. And God has also promised him uh, that he's going to take possession of the land of Canaan. And uh, Abram is having doubts about both of these coming true um, as he's getting older and it's not really coming at the timeline that he thought. So he's questioning God about uh, the validity and how can he be assured that that these these promises are going to come true and uh, God responds to him. So we're going to pick up the uh, reading in chapter 15, verse 7, and then uh, we will uh, look at the uh, passage and what it has to say on the back end. So verse 7, this is God speaking to Abram. He also said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to take possession of it. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, how can I know that I will gain possession of it? So the Lord said to him, Bring me a heifer, a goat, and a ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. Abram brought all of these to him, cut them in two, and arranged the halves opposite each other. The birds, however, he did not cut in half. Then birds of prey came down on the carcasses, but Abram drove them away. As the sun was setting, Abram fell into a deep sleep, and a thick and dreadful darkness came over him. And we skip down to verse 17. When the sun had set and darkness had fallen, a smoking firepot with a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram and said to him, To your descendants I give this land, from the wadi of Egypt to the great river, the Euphrates. And that's the end of the reading from Genesis today. Now, uh, you may have uh, heard this uh, story for the first time. Uh, even if not, um, it can be very confusing. doesn't make a lot of sense um, and especially doesn't uh, seem to have anything to do with the uh, question of uh, don't all religions point to the same God or not. Uh, but if we actually um, look at the context of what's being said here and what, what's going on, I think we can learn a lot uh, about that question from it. So let's dig right in. First of all, um, what we need to know is uh, a little bit of history. Uh, at the time of Abram, which was 1900 BC, uh, there was no written culture, uh, no way to write contracts the way that we do today. Um, in our culture, 
we uh, agree to a deal or a, or, a, or a contract by writing out all the stipulations of the contract, what's uh, to be done by each party. And then at the bottom, uh, each of us would sign the contract, codifying our responsibilities and what the consequences are if we don't live up to those responsibilities. Well, back in Abram's day, it was more common to do things orally than written. And the way that they would um, do contracts or covenants, uh, one of the ways was to actually act out the consequences of not living up to your responsibilities of the uh, contract. Um, and so what would happen back then was people would take animals, cut them in two, arrange them in a row, and then the parties of the contract would walk in between the pieces of the animals that had been cut in two um, to signify that if I have not fulfilled my responsibility to this deal, let me, be, let me be cut up just like these animals. So both parties would walk through the pieces and both would be codifying that if we don't do our part, let us be killed like these animals. And that is actually how contracts were made back in the day. Um, we kind of have a notion of it even today. Um, we know the idea of cutting a deal or cutting a contract that was actually had its roots back in these physical contracts that were, uh, you know, done uh, in the uh, Near East in the first and second millennia BC. So that's actually the backdrop of what is going on here. And we kind of know this um, from other examples, extra biblical ones in history of, of, of uh, contracts being cut this way. And, and then even in the Bible, uh, further on, there's a, a reference in the book of Jeremiah. I'll read you this. It's Jeremiah 34. Uh, verse 18, that explains a little bit of what the uh, consequences of not fulfilling this covenant is. It says, Those who have violated my covenant and have not fulfilled the terms of the covenant they made before me, I will treat like the calf they cut in two and then walked between its pieces. The leaders of Judah and Jerusalem, the court officials, the priests, and all the people of the land who walked between the pieces of the calf, I will deliver into the hands of their enemies who want to kill them. Their dead bodies will become food for the birds and the wild animals. So this shows that this is um, what happens when you don't fulfill your responsibilities of this covenant and, uh, and you're, you're signifying that you're going to be cut up and, and actually killed the way that the animals were if, if you don't do your duty. So that's the backdrop of this. And we know that Abram uh, understood this because God just asked him to bring the animals. Uh, immediately, uh, Abram took the animals and knew Ah, I cut these in half. I lay them out into a row. I know what's going on here. God is trying to give me an assurance by showing that he's going to do a covenant with me. We're going to get this codified and nailed down. And uh, we will. Uh, I will know for certain then that God means business when he's promising me these, uh, these different things, whether it might you know, take the land uh, to, to have um, as my possession and also to have many offspring. So Abram, I'm sure, was very excited when God called him to bring these animals. He set it up and was ready for the uh, the covenant ceremony, um, but it played out very differently than uh, he would have imagined it to be. So um, after he uh, he cut the pieces in two, it says that he fell into a deep sleep and a thick and dreadful darkness came over him. Now, uh, what this means, this isn't uh, Abram actually falling asleep. It's more he went into sort of a trance and was having sort of nightmares and feeling a very strong darkness coming over him of, uh, of negative uh, things. And then, uh, and, and so he started to feel really kind of uh, uh, sorrowful and, and, and dark. 
Um, and then after that, it says that um, when the sun actually did go down and darkness had come, a smoking fire pot with a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces. What's going on here? Um, well, those words, um, smoking fire pot and blazing torch, um, they are actually the same words that are used uh, to describe God on Mount Sinai when they're describing uh, when uh, Moses went up uh, to get the Ten Commandments. Um, it's the same way they describe him. And, and God's been described uh, numerous ways in the Bible uh, in, in fire. And so uh, there's uh, no question about it. What's being discussed here is God actually appearing and walking between the pieces. Now, what's the significance of that? Uh, Abram would have been uh, very surprised, first of all, to see this because he would have been waiting for God to call for him to walk through the pieces. But instead, God appeared and moved through the pieces. And what are the implications of that? Well, what it's saying is God is letting Abram know, if I don't fulfill what I promised you, let me be killed like these animals were. Abram must have been, uh, he would have understood the, the, uh, the meaning, but he would have been completely confused as to what does this actually mean? God can't die. How is this possible? So he would have known what was being signified, but he'd been very confused as to what actually was uh, going on there. And then secondly, and even more um, surprising to Abram was, he would have said to himself, okay, God went through the pieces, now it's my turn. But we keep the reading, and after God moved between the pieces, all the thing that happens is, on that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram. So Abram was not asked to walk through the pieces. The covenant was codified right after God went through them. What are the ramifications of this? They're vast. Um, because Abram all of a sudden realized that God alone had moved through the pieces. He had taken on the covenant responsibility for both of them. Not only if God didn't do his responsibilities, would he be cut off? But if Abram didn't do his responsibilities, God would also be cut off. This was an unconditional covenant. An unconditional covenant that said that I will bring you the promises no matter what you do, Abram. I am responsible for the fulfillment of the duties for both sides. This would have been astounding to Abram. At this time, uh, no covenants were cut like this. It would have been both parties going through, or at sometimes if there was a superior king to an inferior uh, servants or vassals, um, the vassals only would go through, never that the king by himself would go through. So God walking through by himself and then codifying it afterwards would have been astounding to Abram and blown his mind. He would have had no idea how this could have ever played out in the future. God was essentially saying, I'm going to allow myself to be killed if you do not remain faithful. And Abram would have been completely confused by how this could be a reality. The everlasting God dying, the everlasting God um, allowing himself to be vulnerable, to become human, and allow himself to go through suffering. No chance this could happen in Abram's mind. He would have been very confused. Fast forward, though, about 1900 years, and we actually have the answer to that commitment God made to Abram on that day. And if we look at the uh, the book of Mark, chapter 15, it says, At noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And then at three, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then another passage from the Old Testament, Isaiah 53, 8, uh, speaking of the Messiah, says, for he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people, he was punished. This is talking about Jesus and how he actually fulfilled 
what was told to Abram. A darkness came down on him, just like it did on Abram. He was cut off, just like the animals were cut off. Jesus died. The one and only Son of God died. Now we have to ask ourselves, why would God have allowed this? Why would he have allowed himself to, to come on to the earth, take on such suffering, and die for us? And the answer to that is, God wants the relationship between himself and us healed. The relationship has been broken since the fall in the garden. And he's willing to do that at an infinite cost to himself. Real love involves sacrifice, and God was not immune to that. He was willing to allow Jesus to suffer and die for us in order to pay the price to finally mend that broken relationship and to fully display to us all just how much he truly loves us. This is confirmed in the most famous passage of the Bible, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And also in Isaiah chapter 53 again, verse 5, But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and by his stripes we are healed. The ramifications of this are vastly different than any other religion. Christianity says something that's nowhere close to what any other religion says. First of all, it says that we have a personal God that actually became a human. No religion says this. You either have an impersonal God that we have no relation to at all, or you have a God that we need to obey, do things, and then he will bless us. Christianity says the opposite. It said, no, God loved you, so he came down, took the punishment for us so that he could bless us. We didn't have to do the works to get the blessings. He's already done them. He's already taken the punishment so that he can bless us. A vastly different theology than any other religion. Anybody that says that these religions are the same, Christian's God with any other, is very, very far off. They actually say the exact opposite. There is nothing that we are going to do to ever reach God. He actually came down to reach us. And the Bible goes on to encourage us even more that we were, you know, that you say, well, who are these um, people that are going to uh, receive the promises made to Abram. In Galatians 3, uh, the Bible says, He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. So we can be confident that this promise was not only made to Abraham, not only made to his, made to his immediate descendants, but made to anyone who's a believer in Jesus. We can be confident that this God has come for all of us. Anybody that believes that he did this has been saved, has been made right, has been made back to where God wants us to be. We're not perfect. We're going to still make mistakes, but we're not going to have hard, we're going to continue to have hard times, but we can be confident that it doesn't matter what we've done in our past. It doesn't matter what we're going to do wrong in the future. God has already paid the price for it. He has already let his son be killed in order to pay for our sins and allow us to be blessed by him. This is an amazing God. This is the hope that we all have. This is what makes Christianity unique. This is what makes the Christian God so different than any other God. He's given us an unconditional grace that says, I love you so much, there's nothing you can do to take that love away. All I ask is that you believe in me. And that's all God has ever asked from us. The reason we looked at this passage back in Abram's time um, is a little bit esoteric, and there's plenty of passages in the New Testament that reaffirm this uh, unconditional grace. 
But a lot of people uh, think that the Old and New Testament are not linked, and that in reality is not the case. It's all one story, the same story of God's uh, unconditional grace that he's poured out for humanity, played out all the way from the beginning of the Bible to the end. And this is what makes Christianity so unique. You think it doesn't matter which religion you choose or what God you believe in? There's only one that walked through the pieces so that we could be blessed. There's only one that took on the curse so that we could become the righteousness of God. There's only one that gave up everything on the cross so that we could have eternal life. Jesus said about himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He didn't say I am a way or a truth. He said I am the way. He's the only way to salvation. Put your faith in him and you will be able to rest forever knowing that you have been saved and you'll be blown away by his amazing grace. Thanks for joining us today. Hope you enjoyed it and look forward to you next week on the Cross Street Podcast.